Welcome to those Vicar Blokes. I'm Howell the Nerdy Vicar. And I'm Dave Coaches. And uh, on this uh, podcast, well, what have you been up to, Dave? What have you been doing this week, should well, say? Well, so it's, it's only Wednesday, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yesterday, I I worked differently. I went on a coach trip to Western Supermare. That don't sound like work. Yeah, it was work. I wore my... <laughs> My clerical shirt and my clerical collar. See, so, therefore, it was definitely work. Do you go on the pier on that? Yeah, I went on the pier, yeah. Do you go yeah. on that ride where it, it turns you upside down and all that one? That one that's on the end. It's like a robot arm that turns you upside down. Do you go on no, that No, I never went on any of the rides. Uh, that's no good. you got to go on the rides. No, I never went on any You're of the rides. You're too mean to go on no, the rides. No, I never went on it. Any... Wow. You're too cheap. I like I like rides. I like the rides, but they're not scary enough there. Oh, I'm right, of the yeah. opinion that if you don't think you're going to die, it's not worth going on. <laughs> Um, so I didn't go on any of the rides. Oh, well, um, it's rubbish. There are some better rides actually down the other end of the beach, like that actually. Oh, I know the yeah. opposite end. Yeah, of the I know what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they, there's a bit of a fun fair down there with good rides, but it was too far to walk. Oh. Um, but yeah, we went on a, a a coach trip with the the Yate and Froomside Mission area that was funded by the local mothers' union. All oh, right, so you took so the kids. Really nice. So yeah, took took the two youngest kids on the coach. Picked up right outside St. Saviour's Church, so nice oh, and local for me. That's quite good, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Just some uh, fish and chips. I had some fish and chips, yeah, on, by the front there. Um, yeah, it was nice. I had an ice cream. Well, that sounds all right. Sat huh? down in a cafe, had a coffee, you know, what more could you want from a day? Yeah, I've kind of got past that now because my kids are older. Of what do I do with them over the summer? It's just like, it's, yeah, well, I, uh, I know. took one for the team, didn't I? I went as the ministerial representative from Yate and Froomside. Yeah. So it was big sacrifice. What, going to Western for the day going and going Western on the pier the, yeah, and having ice sacrifice. cream and then some fish and chips? This ministry stuff is so sacrificial. I know. That's, that's, that's a, that's a good thing, that. Yeah, I, I, do you know, it's one of those weird ones, really, because I've not anything. It's been really quiet, really. It's been it's been quite sort of restful this last week. So you've had a restful week. Well, not restful. I just well, like you, um, you, you led know. the parish communion on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, that's... that was all right. Do you want to know what you did wrong? I got a list. Uh no, it's quite all right. You yeah. told me not to make a list at the start. Yeah, didn't I did. You? Yeah, I says, did say. Yeah, it's too late. I got a list. What I do? I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, what are you on about? I'll just keep it as that list of. He could have done better, but I'm not going to tell no, him. But I'll learn from his I mistakes. Better, no, all everything was right. I think because I was being particularly careful with it. So I thought, oh no, Dave, sure, he's going to like put. He can say, oh, you did the you did the epiclesis at the wrong time and all that, and I didn't. I made sure I did it at the right time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. 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 So it's all. I think. Anyway, yeah. Well, you can watch it on the um on the live stream, can't you? You could sort of go was past it was it. it recorded? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, he's at the back. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, you can, no, what, what now you know, I ask you to do now, you're going to look back over the whole service and cut out bits. And, and see like, if That's I missed wrong. anything in my notebook at the time. Yeah, and so yeah, look at okay. that, like, isn't it? Anyway. Okay, so what are we on about this morning then, Dave? Uh, we are on about um, barges that aren't fit for purpose at Portland. Portland barges, yeah. Um, we talk about... Genesis chapters 2 to 11. Yes, we talk um, about being made in the image of God, yeah. Adam and Eve, all that jazz. And then a really good film, isn't it? And then, yeah, 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men, excellent. 1957, yeah, in black and white. That's good, yeah. yeah so uh, hold your hats for the music and we'll kick it off.
Right then, Dave. So, what's in the news this weekend? Well, the news this week, bearing in mind today's Wednesday and not Friday. Yeah. Because um, yeah. something might break on Thursday or Friday that we don't mention. <laughs> yes, um, true. And then we yeah. sound really bad for not mentioning it. <laughs> yes, true. Um, yeah. So, the news to this point and today's news is that the, um, the very expensive barge to house migrants at Portland in Dorset. Do we give a bit of background with this? Because I'm not really that au fait with Okay, yeah. so. What the government wants to do is they want to move people out of overpriced hotels, basic hotels where you think you're, where basically they're paying too much for them. Right. And move them onto this very large boat um, that will house lots of migrants on a boat right. off Portland. Um, and the migrants are free to come and go as they choose, apparently. Um, but they'll be sharing a room on a boat with with another person. And no, Portland is. Um, let's get a bit of context. By Portland, Weymouth. yeah, it's basically in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? Yeah, they've got a prison there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate of mine, two prisons. Eh? I shouldn't have said that. Actually, a mate of mine went there <laughs> yeah. for a visit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for a visit. Yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. I grew up with spent about two weeks there before he went to an open prison. But right. there we are. Anyway, yeah. So it's basically there's a prison there, and then there's like a little. It's like a little village, isn't it? Yeah it's, yeah, it's a little village that's quite close to Weymouth. So yeah, the facilities yeah. are Weymouth, but they're they're a little bit. But it's 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 quite remote though. Because if you've been on holidays down in Dorset, it's it's a nightmare getting anywhere. So you can't get get out of that part of the world, is it? It's, it's kind of. Yeah, but it's quite a nice place, other than the oh fact yeah, they'll have a, now have an eyesore of a boat there. Yeah, um, they call it a barge. I don't know this, whether that's to make us think canal boat or what. But it's basically a big boat with a load of I have seen, like shipping containers on it. Yeah, I've seen pictures um, of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, the health and safety executive have deemed it not fit for a human habitation. Well, that's a surprise. And yeah. it needs lots of work done to it. And um, <coughs> the local fire authorities have, have termed it in terms of um, if you thought Grenfell was bad. Well, um, yeah. For its fire risk, because yeah. there's no adequate means of escape for that many people if there was an emergency because um, it's all accessed by metal ladders leading up to the tops and metal ladders yeah that's what the way it looks and that's what they're not happy about is that there's not a big enough a- exit for people to leave quickly but this is um, something they've rented off the dutch isn't it or something i did see something yeah, about it well I- I don't know where they've got it from. It's an Australian firm that they've paid loads of money to to manage the system. So, how much money have they paid? Does it say or? Well, it's a it's a good couple of million. Um, right. Okay. And and according to another podcast that I listened to, um, it's one of your funny with, podcasts. Well, it's Gemma Forte and Marina Perkis, and it's called the Troll. And what they basically do is they trowel they trowel. Troll. troll, they troll people, but they, they, they go through um, Twitter, all right, and yeah. find the best stories in there, and and, so and it's a more professional. It. It's a more more professional version of this segment of our podcast now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see what yeah. you mean. Yeah, it's yeah. good. You'd like it. You'd like it. Oh, but, they're, right. but they're lefties. There's no balance in it. They're definitely lefties. Oh, okay. I know. Um, you know, so if you balance that against listening to GB News, you're you're pretty much. What's your right. name for that now? I love that GBBs. GBBs, uh, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> quite like that. Um, yeah. So, so, so what they say—that's where I was going. What they yeah. say is that the deal that the government done has done mm. per head 
is about four times the cost of sending the refugees on a cruise with Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean, those posh ones. The right posh the ones, yeah, yeah. So where you, where you get to go around the Caribbean and you get your all in, it's done include a drinks package. Oh, right, okay. So, so it's a cruise without the drinks package, but the cost of staying on a migrant barge to the taxpayer is four times what it would be, to according go to them. I can't seem to verify that information anywhere. Well, we have talked about this before on the podcast a while back, didn't we, about like this boats thing and all that. It uh, it just totally perplexes me. I, I cannot, for the life of me, work out how you could end up in, in such a mess. It, it, well, I think I, my problem with it today is the fact that the response to it on social media mm. is one of, well, it doesn't matter. What, that these people are being housed in unsafe places? they're being places. housed in places that the the appointed bodies looking at, it, at safety yeah. um, say that it's not safe. And, and the attitudes from a lot of the public is, well, that doesn't matter. And so my problem is the fact that we've dehumanised people in order to make them not matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does matter, doesn't it? Because they're human beings and you, you can't, you shouldn't do that to human beings. No, absolutely not. I think that's the, the bottom line really is you can't, it shouldn't be a, like what bothered me about it when I, I did, I, I thought I said last time is I thought this was a kind of um, Nigel Farage made up story about two years ago when he first went on about it. I thought it was all made up. So I looked into it and it was only when uh, someone from South Gloss Council came around talking to us about refugees and how we could help them, which is part of how we do this, the work with the Ukrainians. Yeah. said that uh, the one down in Filton is a migrant hotel. So I was like, oh, hang on a minute. It isn't just a kind of... Because it's such an extreme thing. Yeah. It sounds like someone's just kind of made it up. So I felt like dead naive then. But the thing is, is that if you got people sharing rooms, you could end up with somebody from, say, Eritrea sharing a, a room with someone from Ethiopia and they've been at war for I don't know long. You don't it? think that the authorities in charge of it would work that out and sort of... Um, <clears throat> I think if the authorities... Not that I'm a big fan of segregation, but you know, so sometimes you just need to work out what's going on with these things. Well, I, I don't think... I don't think... No, I don't... But I don't think that putting a lot of people in those situations for that length of time with nothing to do is going to end well for anybody, is it? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. That's the thing, is you've got a pile of people, thousands and thousands of people, living in hotels for years with nothing to do, where they brought food and that's it. We're just spending their time uh, hanging around. It's not going to end well, And is if it? you think of the community <coughs> at, at Weymouth in Portland, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, then I think they've got every right to object. Well, yeah, it's not... It's because not... people are free to come and go as they choose, but they've got no money and nothing to do. Yeah, so it's not going to end well for the no. people of Portland either, No, it? it's not, no. So the only people who are benefiting from this are the people... And I don't, I, I, I don't think that's a, not in my backyard. If they were saying, go put that boat somewhere else, I'd, I'd have a problem with what they're saying. But if what they're saying is, actually, this boat's not the answer, this boat's not the solution and you've wasted loads of taxpayers' money on it, then then I'd agree with them on that. Yeah. 
and I think if we look in Scripture, there's, in, especially in the Old Testament, there's a lot of um, laws and stories like in Ruth and other books like that, which are all about how we should, uh, we have a responsibility to people, even if they're not from our country. Yeah. And I think that's, that's important, that is, to take that seriously. But again, on the other hand, you can't have tens of thousands of people turning up on beaches and saying, well, you go look after me now. So it cuts both ways. We can't, on one hand, say, well, we have a responsibility to look after the whole world, right? And on the other hand, you can't have people yeah, just turn not, it up and you can't... Let's not forget that as far as relative wealth goes, this country scores quite well. And um, that we only actually take about 4% of the world's migrants. Well, that's because most I know, of the world's migrants... I know there's this view that we take every migrant that ever leaves any country and they all rock up on our shores. But 4%. Yeah, but that's because... Most of the migrants are in countries next door to where the wars are. Because, yeah, we live on an island. We live miles and miles away from anywhere where there's a war. Yeah, absolutely. Basically. So it's like like the Syrian migrants are mostly in like um, Saudi Arabia and Turkey and places like yeah. that. So that's, yeah, well, you know, of course they, they will be yeah, just yeah. next door, isn't it? Because they don't want to, people don't want to travel all the way across the world. They actually want to go to somewhere that's safe. Yeah, so that's why um, a lot of Ukrainians are in Poland and Hungary and yeah, places like that. Absolutely. Yeah. But. I think, I think when I thought about this, something you said the other week, actually, which I thought was like really cynical, when you said, if you want to know why people are doing things, you should look at who benefits from it. Yeah. And someone's making a lot of money out of this. Absolutely. Huge amounts of money. Yeah. And I don't think this is going to, oh, it's going to sound really cynical now, right? I don't think that there's the will to solve the issue because powerful people are making too much money out of it. So on one hand, when a lot of people don't want it solved because they're making a ton of cash. Yeah, absolutely. Circo and all... Is it Circo? All these different firms, they provide the security. That's the people that do the prison transport, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They're the ones who do all the security, all that sort of stuff, right? They're making so much money out of it. The people who are providing the barges, all that stuff, the people who are doing the catering for the hotels, they're making huge profits off this, right? Yeah. But then the other side don't want it to end as well because they get to kind of call people names and say people are heartless and i think they get a lot of kicks off that so i think that's the thing is that nobody really wants to nobody seems to have come up with a viable solution to this well i don't think there is uh, yeah and that is a really difficult thing and what we fail to realize is the level of unrest at the moment in africa um with with considerable um, increases in terror attacks and so if your homeland is under threat from terrorism you take your family where it's safe yeah but I think the other thing is as well is the reason that this is all kicked off is because of what we did in um, Libya and with the Arab Spring isn't it yeah it's because Libya now is just chaos anarchy basically isn't it yeah so that's where all the people smugglers are and all that sort of thing so it's a compounded issue that goes a lot across all sorts of lines but there's no simple solution there are no. kind of refugees welcome all that sort of thing that well, is a viable it's solution the new, is it? it's the new political football isn't it 
Or yeah. it's, it's an additional political football in the same way that for years the education system has been, the NHS has been. Now all we do is we 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 just add more things to to be the hot topics of debate and polarization. Yeah, it's a way. What worries me about it more than anything else is that there isn't the will to solve the problem because it benefits those in power because they can then use it as a way... They're using people at right at the bottom of society in order to generate likes and clicks and news stories and yeah. everything else for that. So this sort of stop the boats thing and all that, it just seems to be... <clears throat> it seems to be that nobody seems to have come up with a viable solution. Because even if they did the Rwanda thing, there's so many thousands and thousands of people in these hotels... It would take, like, God knows how long to chuck them all on planes and fly them to Rwanda. Yeah. You can't have, like, 50 planes taking off going to Rwanda every day, can you? No. It's just not viable, is it? No, it's, it's not viable. It's not. And, it's, and, and, and it's, it's just not It's not doable, is it? But, but that's not what Rwanda's about, is it? Rwanda is about the fact that when in foreign lands they hear that we're flying people to Rwanda... That apparently is not so bad, which is obviously rubbish anyway, because it wouldn't be a deterrent if it was nicer in Rwanda, <laughs> would it? Yes, yeah, suppose, um, yeah. You can't, you can't use the argument two, two ways. Either they're not going to come to the UK because they're going to be worried about going to Rwanda, or they're going to come to the UK because it gets them a nice, easy flight to Rwanda, where it's really nice. You can't have that argument both ways. No. So, so what the, what they, they, so they want the information to be there that you won't get to stay in the UK, that you're going to get shipped off to Rwanda. And that's what the boats are about as well. Yeah, it's a the barges, thing, yeah. You're going to go to the UK and you won't be united with your family. You're going to be dumped somewhere, this this lovely but remote and not what you thought you were going to, where you were going to be. And you're going to be dumped into a barge, sharing a room with somebody that culturally you're probably not going to get along with anyway. And... Uh, you're you're just going to live there and suffer until we decide otherwise. I mean, that's not a solution, and that's to frighten people from coming here. But then the thing is, though, because you've had all this polarization whipped up, right? Is that this is this is the really scary thing? Is you've got one side who are horrified by that, who then can use it to go, oh, I think that's disgusting, and then you've got the other side who then think that that will play well with their voters. So they can say, look how tough I'm being. Yeah, but how can it's they just, at the same time call it a deterrent because it's horrible and it, and then justify it to the other view that, oh, no, it's not terrible, they're, they're, it's, it's nice. But they don't want to justify it to the other view because it, it's to do with how polarised we've got is it's actually now not kind of... So they're playing to the voters who who, yeah. who like it being horrible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an echo chamber thing, isn't it? Is so it, they're really playing to the people who were on Twitter today saying, yeah. does it matter if they burn anyway? Yeah. Well, not just not those sorts of people. I think people say things on Twitter they don't really mean, don't they? But I think it's... Um, well, well, I hope they do, because well, otherwise do, yeah. the world's in trouble. Yeah, and I think I think the thing is with, with Twitter and the thing is with, with the media now as well is what you've got are two separate universes, haven't you? Yeah. You've got these two separate universes which don't speak to each other, which only speak to themselves. And that's why we're getting more and more crazy ideas, like these barges and what have you, that are impractical and ridiculous. And I think 
what we're like we always go back to this is to do with discernment and wisdom and for one side not to say on one hand oh well the compassionate thing is to do is to say refugees welcome we are compassionate we can afford it we can do it right yeah that's not a solution but on the other hand then it turns because that takes away all agency and uh, responsibility for the the people who are coming and yeah, all that yeah, sort of absolutely, thing absolutely yeah and then on the other side you just got this sort of let's get them approach yeah so so that's spe- another one we didn't answer but we did discuss we did, yeah. yeah, yeah, we did, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a sad one, really. Um, it made me think of uh, something from the 18th century called prison hulks, which is where they didn't have enough room in prisons. They anchored boats in the Thames and turned them into prisons. Right. So that's quite dark, isn't it? So on the next bit of the podcast, we'll be we'll be talking about uh, Genesis chapter two to eleven, uh, and just the, the nine chapters to digest. Just the nine chapters, the big themes in them and what it is to be made in the image of God. So thanks for listening to those Vicar Blokes. Uh, Don't forget, we're now on Substack. You'll be getting emails off us with... uh, Only if they subscribe. Only if, well, yeah, if you subscribe... So subscribe and you'll get emails off us. And you'll never miss an episode. Yeah, subscribe... On Substack. Even uh, if you want to. Even if you want to, yeah. And then you'll get an email once a week. The, the worst thing that happened, though, is I put on it, the default on Substack is pledge your support rather than I saw subscribe. that when I yeah. on it. And then I had it piles of, well, one email off someone going, is this off you? Is it looking for money? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just I've changed it now, so it will say subscribe next will week. It? Yeah, it, it won't will, say yeah. pledge your support. No, 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 it, no. It asked me to pledge my support twice, I think. Yeah, once at the top, once at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, and I thought, no, I don't want to give you any money. Well, you're not giving me money. Wow. Well, it's not taking money. Anyway, this is meant to be yes. an advert, not a bicker, oh, right? right? Yeah. So if you want to uh, subscribe, subscribe to us on all the other things. And don't let it pledge say and pledge your support upset you. You don't have to. No, that's right, yeah. Dave Coach's Bible Bus Trip. Right, I was listening back to the uh, podcast uh, last week. People think it's like really narcissistic, you know, listening to yourself. I always listen to it Saturday morning with the wife. Do you? Well, if I didn't listen with her, she might not listen to it. Well, here we are, I suppose. Yeah, I, I listen to it just to sort of be ultra critical of myself, yeah, really. Well, like, yeah. yeah. So not to say, oh, that was dead good. I um, listen to it again so I can be ultra critical of you as well. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. All right. Well, you was what a load of rubbish, you know. And uh, and then turned to your wife and said, didn't I do well there? That was yeah, really good, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but one thing I did leave out sort of deliberately last week when we were talking about Genesis chapter one is the idea that we are made in the image of God. So right at the end of the song... He says, um, uh, male and female, he he created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. Mm. Um, I didn't talk about that deliberately, basically, because, well, we'd be here all week, wouldn't we? And it does tie in with the next uh, chapters of Genesis, chapters 2 to 11, um, which are about Eden and the purpose of God's creation of 
humankind, isn't it? So, yeah. do you want to talk about the um, Genesis chapter two? What happens in that, Dave? In Genesis chapter two, we get we get a second picture of creation. Yeah, a different, and the days fall in a different time. But really, the themes are pretty similar in Genesis chapter two. It's in Genesis chapter three that it takes a, a turn. Yeah. So what? Well, don't don't jump ahead to the oh, naughty right, bit now, right? right? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I always like jumping ahead to the naughty bit. <laughs> right. So in Genesis chapter two, we get a second mythology of of how the world is created and what laws are put in place, and we get um, the different formation of um, humanity, particularly woman, from a different form. Yeah. Um, so what does that tell us? What is what is the meaning behind uh, the Garden of Eden? So it's the creation of Adam and Eve, which means man and woman. Well, they're 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 in a gated community, yeah, in the sense that they are safe and contained and looked after and loved by God in their in their little sacred ground. So the so the world is beyond the garden, yeah, and. and 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 there's a consciousness that there's stuff beyond the garden, but while they're in the garden, they're safe and protected and fitting within God's laws more easily than if they were to be released. Yeah, yeah. And they're captive without being captive. Yeah, they're in a gilded cage, really. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit like the same reason is why you have gates on a school. Mm. It's not to keep just the kids in although it is to keep the kids in is also to stop the, the evils of the outside world getting in and, and destroying the purity of yeah of the school grounds so it's a perfect society in a sense the way things ought to be the sense that we have that things aren't the way that they should be so man and woman you know adam and eve live in perfect harmony with each other live in perfect harmony with god and with uh, the environment around yeah. them. So everything is in perfect harmony. And it's worth saying as well is that Adam is created from the dust of the earth. And what that's about, I think, is to do with how body and soul are linked. So we are embodied embodied creatures. So our body affects how we think of ourselves and how we think of ourselves affects our body. Yeah? Right, okay. Do you see what I mean? I think so. So it, it's is that, for example, uh, if I was in a car accident tomorrow and broke my back and was in a wheelchair, my body, what happened to my body would affect how I thought about me, my identity, who I am, etc. Yeah. Yeah? So we can't turn around and say things like, um, it's what's inside that matters. Because body and because soul what's inside inside is affected by, by what's on yeah, the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is it shows that as Eve is created, God says it's not good for man to be alone. So we're, Eve is created from Adam, right? And what that's about is to say that men and women are created to be in relationship with each other. We're created not as atomized individual people who are utterly alone. Yeah. We are created to be in community with other human beings. Yeah. That's the thing. So coming together, we share in the creation of life. But that gets a bit saucy, that does, I suppose, doesn't it? But well, maybe. That's the idea. But, yeah? um, but the idea that we're... we're um, 
we're of a shared humanity it is quite important and it's about that that being of a shared humanity man and woman shared humanity yeah so we're um, all in a sense that we're all part of the same species we're all yeah. part of the same race and we're created to be together in perfect relationship yeah and as we all come the idea is as we've all come from adam and eve then we, we as human beings are a global family yeah who are made in the image of God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but what you've just done is paint the literal sense that we're all um, literal descendants of Adam and Eve, which probably is wholly inaccurate. But Well, I think it's a good way of understanding it. It's a good way of understanding... I'm not saying we're literally that. Well, I don't know, from an evolutionary perspective, that might actually be true, but I think it's... Um... Do you think so? Yeah, there's a whole book. Uh, there's a uh, Richard Dawkins book called River Out of Eden, which is all about how Eden's actually in uh, Kenya, and well, we're how... all of African descent, so that's yeah, you know, yeah. fair chance, yeah, yeah. So really, I think the first human beings are from a little tribe in Kenya somewhere, and they probably were one or two first humans, and then and it's gone back a... that far. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So actually, the weird. So yeah. So the whole concept of us sharing, uh, coming from you know a, a, at least a few uh, humans, but we are that. But what it's actually saying, really, there, is that no matter who you are as a human being, you share the image of God within you, and that transcends all races, all countries, all languages, everything, which is a really radical idea in uh the ancient world yeah but, yeah if you talk to a greek person and said well you share your common humanity with a celt what would they say well i've no idea they'd well, probably they'd... be quite pleased no they'd go absolutely berserk oh, about that's it. a bit mean isn't it? no no they, they were like this is the thing we just take it for granted right that everybody thinks like a like uh, a Christian person that we, thinks that the world is a shared humanity, and that is a uniquely Jewish yeah, and Christian think, idea. But we don't think like that. That's why we're able to dehumanize people that come to our, you our jump, soils. You, you yeah, jump see? into the naughty bit again. Oh, sorry. But oh, do, do you see what I mean? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea is that that's where we would start that we share this common humanity. Yeah. Right. And that goes wrong. So how does that go wrong as you jump into the naughty bit? How does that go wrong? Well, it's Eve's fault. It is, because I read that on Twitter last week. <laughs> oh, no. It's Eve's fault. She what? ate the forbidden fruit, and then she convinced her husband that he should eat it as well. It's not that See, weird guy again. You're not still... Fo stop Eve's following him. He's a, he's a listener. You is it? You put him off listening. Oh, Well, I've sent man. it to him at least three times and told him that this might help with his understanding and his ignorance. So... I hope he's listened to it. He said he would. What did he say? This guy, he, oh no, we're going to go down a rabbit hole with that. It's just, is he saying it's Eve's fault? He that, says Eve's fault because it was her that transgressed. What? Oh, no. See, I knew you pulled that face you pulled. No, 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 no. That is not biblical. That's what I said as well. No, that is no, not, no. That is You've got not, it all wrong. That's what that, I said. That is not biblically not biblically true. That is not, not actually, part of the Christian tradition. Was, why did you just share that? Is that just so as people would know you're a misogynist or something like that? That's what I wrote. <laughs> you were trolling him, basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. No, I think that's actually important to talk about, actually, because I, I tore a strip off a teacher not so long about with that um, because... Uh, she said that um that, that this was biblical doctrine that um that women are more 
uh, guilty of sin or that uh, it's 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 um, patriarchal. And the whole part of the fall story. Do you want to say what the fall story is, Dave? So we can. Well, the fall story is that they could they could have eat, eat of all the things in the garden except the fruit of the one tree, um, and uh, it's the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge, the tree of knowledge yeah. of good and evil. Yeah, and so um, they're tricked by the serpent into eating from the tree, and they both eat of the tree, and they're both present. And they both eat of it. Um, and yes, according to Genesis 3, Eve ate of it first and is the one who was deceived, but they they both fell into the deceit. And as a result, they faced punishment. They were expelled from the garden. Yeah, and it's quite clear who the bad guy is in that. It's not that uh, Adam's the good guy and Eve's the bad guy. No, definitely they both not. Know. And what it actually shows, the whole point of that story, is to show that powerful people when they're caught out doing something they shouldn't do, will blame people with less power. Yeah. So when when she got when he got caught, Adam, he says, oh, it wasn't me, it was her. Yeah, it's her and fault. Then it's her fault, it is. I she's mean, got, I sat there and watched her, but it's her fault. It was her fault, yeah. Yeah. And then what did she say? It's not me, it was the snake. A snake, yeah. So... You, you need something to blame, don't you? You can't ever accept responsibility yourself. Well, if we think about it for kids... I wonder what would have happened if they just said, oh, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. Can you forgive us? <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah, but we don't, do we, as human beings? No. So your kids, when you catch when you catch your kids doing it, doing something wrong, what do they say? Uh, they say it was him or it was her. It wasn't me, it, was it was him, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it must have been, you know, I would say it must have been Rhiannon, who's my sister. It wasn't me, it was Rhiannon. Yeah, well... Yeah? He's like, um, I remember when I was a kid, um, somebody put um, toothpaste on the wall, right? Yeah. We were meant to go out to What the... did you do that for? It wasn't me. It, it was wasn't it, me. Then? No, it was my little sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You would say that, wouldn't well, you? Exactly. And she said, no, it wasn't me. And then my dad went berserk, right? Yeah. Because everybody blamed everybody else and nobody admitted to it. Yeah, but it wasn't me. It was it was my sister. I, I never done it. And you're still sticking to that. I'm right? sticking to that. And she tried to frame me as well by pouring pulls of toothpaste all over my all over my uh, my bedroom, and said it was him. It was. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, given that, is this story was about... she a listener? I Your doubt sister. It. I doubt it. Yeah. No, okay. I doubt it. She might do. Yeah. It all goes back to the toothpaste on the wall. That's what I should yeah. say. Yeah. But I think the thing is with it is. If we understand it in that way, Adam means man, Eve means woman, right? Yeah. What we've just described is a normal human reaction to being caught out that yeah. everyone's experienced, right? Yeah. yeah. So they act in like kids. So what does that tell us about the story, do you think? That God's taken the father role in the in the relationship. Yeah. Um, that there's a a punishment that has to be exacted out in the same way that there is when your kids do something wrong. Yeah. Um, do you think it's... their actions have consequences? Yeah, and we get it wrong. What did they do when they first ate from the tree? What's the first thing they did? They they hid. No. Oh no! They no. they realised they were naked. Yeah. They realised they were naked. Um. And so they gained shame. Yeah. So do you, not that I'm ever ashamed of being naked, only in well, public. Well, I think um, it's, but, it's, it's something to do with this. Is do you, you remember your kids were little, right? Yeah. Did they know they were naked? 
No. When did they start realising they were naked? I don't know. When do they realise? When when people tell them it's wrong to be naked. Yeah. Partly. Partly, yeah. It's that's cause cause they notice that everybody else has got clothes it's on. It's got clothes on. Yeah. yeah so, but, so when they lose their innocence they realise they're naked, don't they? They understand that there's a thing called right and a thing that's called wrong, don't they? Yeah. So when they have that understanding that the world isn't the way that it should be, they then realise that they're naked. Yeah. But the, the naked bit's a, a, a strange example in some ways. Because clothes and nakedness are social conditioning. No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah you do. Because, because no. you've wandered into the nudist beach lots of times. <laughs> and you, you tell everyone it's an accident, but we all know it's not. So when you wander into the nudist beach, the social condition then is the fact that it's all right to be naked there and there's no need for shame. And, and so actually part of that clothes thing is social conditioning. Whereas well, I think that's a distraction from the point of Genesis 3. No, I think it's central to it. Is that The whole point of it is the reason that we wear clothes is not because of social conditioning, it's because we live in an unsafe world where there's evil. Is a nudist beach, right? Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience of these. You seem to know all about them, like, but in those ones, everybody there has agreed, right? Yeah, that these are the conditions they're living under. It's all very much controlled. It's a very sort of Western idea. It's also very safe, right? But in the world in general, you wouldn't want people walking around because it's not safe. That's the point, because not everybody's a good person. The only people you would want to be naked with are people that you have a good relationship with and that you trust. It's when the when the relationship breaks down is when clothes come involved. So if we think about it, say, in a couple, right, if you, you don't mind being naked with someone you love, right, yeah, but if you got caught having an affair, right, the first thing that she would do or he would do is get dressed. Right, okay. Do you see what I mean? Because they don't want to be naked around you because the trust has gone, the relationship is flawed, that sort of thing. Yeah, you and I have different views on public nakedness, Claire. All right, okay, fair enough. Huh? Okay, well, if you do see Dave walking around uh, Corporate Eve with his bits hanging out, right, it wasn't my fault, right, yeah? <laughs> you get done for it, like, yeah? But you, So I think it's a kind of coming-of-age story. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Do you yeah, see what it, I mean? It is, it's yeah. a coming-of-age story. Is yeah. It, is it... We are all like Adam and Eve as babies, right? And it's only when we grow up, we, all of us, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So it's not about an historical person who existed and da-da-da-da-da. It's actually about all of us. We all go through that process of you know, falling into things, realising the world isn't the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you so, see what I mean? So we've only got to chapter three. Yeah. So what happens in four to 11 then? Well, chapter four and a little bit later on as well is the story of Cain and Abel. Yeah. So who... we get a childhood narrative from them. Yeah. And then we get a jealousy narrative. And then we get a killing narrative. Yeah. So Cain, uh, Cain kills Abel because God... Uh, like he thinks that God likes him more, basically, right? He's jealous of his Wait, brother. He's the favourite, isn't he? Yeah, 
So he's jealous of the favourite because yeah. jealousy is a human condition that we suffer. So it's it's what what the rest of the stories are are basically retelling of the story of Genesis three, but from different perspectives. So you have jealousy, you have um, lack of faith, you have all sorts of different types of sin like pride, those yeah. sorts of things going forward. So they're all stories there backing up the original story. Which is, um, you know, the the story of the fall, and it's the laws of consequences. Yeah, and it's it's that's the reinforcement. Is that all of these things have consequences? Yeah, which goes back to what we were saying last time: is that about in creation, God creates the heavens and the earth, and He creates the physical laws of the universe, but He also creates the moral laws of the universe. So when Adam and Eve are expelled from uh, Eden because they, they ate from the fruit. It's not him actively persecuting them. He's describing the consequences that come from evil. So, so if we read it in the sense that he's actively persecuting people, that he gives women the pains of labour mm. um, as a result of that act, yeah, we're reading it wrong then. Yeah, he's describing... What will what the consequences of growing up are? The consequences of being aware of good and evil are those consequences. So, if you notice as well, he talks about menstruation as well in that bit, yeah, and that's actually about how a woman becomes a woman. It's about growing up. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And the reason that the other weird thing is the reason that uh, human babies cause so much pain of labour. Is because our heads are so big because we got big brains. We're back to Dawson's Creek. Dawson, oh, not you bloody Dawson's Creek. You, <laughs> you didn't give it a fair crack. No, maybe but not. Right in series one. Yeah. Joey Potter, who's always had film night with Dawson and then slept in his bed in a perfectly innocent fashion, says to Dawson, "We can't sleep in the same bed anymore," innocently because she's grown breasts and he's got hair. That, that's exactly it. And that's where we are. That's exactly See, it. See, I told yeah. you it was really good uh, and you didn't oh, get a chance. Yeah, it's exactly it, yeah. Is we can't go back to being little kids anymore. We can't be children forever. We grow up, we understand that there's good and evil in the world and we understand the world isn't the way it ought to be. And there's consequences for our actions and the, the things that God does like, like that are describing the consequences of growing up. Because that's the law of the universe. That's right. the thing. So it's not God cursing people. It's actually the opposite. Because it's Zeus and the Babylonian gods who curse people, not God. Not Yahweh or your Elohim or those ones. Right, okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And there's something that we should say as well about um, two other stories which are really important. The one is Cain and Abel. What does um, Cain say to God when he says, where's your brother? He says, am I my brother's keeper? Now, what do you think that story's about there? What's that saying about what it is to be human? I think it's about love and care for each other. And he showed that he he, he didn't love and care for his brother and therefore he killed him. Whereas he whereas the, the, the if we're made in God image response is to actually love and care for him. Because that's what we're called to do. Because we are our brother's keeper. Yeah. But we don't want to be. No. Because we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to take responsibility for other people. Yeah, but so do you want to be 
Do you want to be your sister's keeper? Well, I am, innit? Yeah, but are you? Well, yeah, I think so. Well, I don't know. You have to ask her, but I try uh, my best. Yeah. In the same vein, though, she's meant to be your keeper too. That's right. Yeah. And that's where where the relationship works. And so, so those that were dependent on us can be dependent on us, and we can be dependent on other people. And that's how we coexist well is by um, taking responsibility for the care of others and submitting to the care of others when we need to. It's always reciprocal. Yeah. It's not a it's not a relationship of dependence it's an in, or uh of power and dependence it's a relationship of interdependence where we we depend on each other yeah and you see that in marriage you see that in families you see that you should see that in society that we need each other yeah we all have our part to play in the body of christ isn't it yeah and we're all of infinite value and when we're not willing to do that then there's a consequence and it, it it's it's a consequence for us and it's a consequence for those that we fail to to look after yeah so if we take this story lit, these stories literally they lose all their meaning yeah. because they're not about historical figures they're about all of us yeah every single one of us um should say something about noah's ark um that's basically i think a story about um God's salvation and God, God's mercy, really, because it was a, an ancient flood narrative from other civilizations as well, because there probably was a big flood. And the whole purpose of that is actually to say that God isn't going to flood the world again. So other civilizations like the Babylonians and stuff, the priests of those civilizations would say, if you rebel against the king and the priests, then God will send a flood to kill you like he did last time. Right, okay. Yeah. But Noah's Ark is a very different story. It's it's taking this historical event of the flood which happened and saying to the people of Israel, God isn't going to do that again. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And the promise that God isn't vengeful is the rainbow. Yeah. So that's tripping over that quite a bit there. We'll come back to that maybe again. Heaven Almighty, that's it. Yeah, that's a good film. I quite yeah. like that. And finally, the, the last bit is to do with the Tower of Babel. Do you know the story? Yeah. You know the story. Babel. Babel. Babel, yeah. Yeah, what's well, the story? It is Babel, of... isn't it, really? Cause, yeah. Because babe is Babel, and we don't say they babel, but that's where it comes from. Yeah. Um, but, you know. So what's what's the story of Tower of Babel, then? <sighs> remember? Well, it fell down. Why? Um, I can't remember. Oh. I'd have to reread it. So so they all... But didn't, weren't they striving to all be of one common language? No, they all had one common language. This is the story of where all languages come from. It's not literal, right? But where so, so they all had one common language. One common language, and yeah. they built a tower to honor God. No, 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 no. Why were they building the tower? They built the tower so they could reach heaven, so they could be like God. Oh yeah, that's right. And what it God was to honor it was to be like, be like yeah, God. It yeah, was, yeah, it was to be like God. So in trying to strive to be like God, right? God. Uh, give them all sorts of different yeah, languages, but... and then they all got confused and stopped building the tower. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then that that links into the Pentecost story where everybody speaks the same, yeah, and understands yeah. in a common tongue. Yeah, and it's it's and it's all based on the fact, of course, that what they were doing was to strive to be like God, but they didn't actually own the character of God. They weren't trying to be like God in God's image. They were trying to make God in their own image. That exactly. Was flawed. Exactly. And it's only when we're in God's image that. 
And we see that, I think that's probably the most forgotten but most important story of the Old I Testament. I remember last time I read it. Yeah, we don't read enough, but it's so important, right? Because that's the mistake of the 20th century. Is That's the story of the Soviet Union, of all the failed experiments of utopia of the 20th century, of Mao, of, in lots of ways, our COVID crisis, is we say, we don't need God because of our own technology, because that's what the story is yeah. about. They learned how to build bricks and build towers, right? Through our own technology, through our own wisdom, through our own uh, power, we can be better than God and we can build a better world. And every single time it falls apart with horrific consequences. Yeah. And that's what the story of the Tower of Babel is. And then is. we're all left confused. We're all left confused. Unable to communicate with each other. Exactly. And that's exactly what's happened after COVID. Is we said that we could do we could overcome this disease for our own cleverness, for our own science, their science, and all the rest of it. And what happened? Everybody got confused and started speaking different languages. Right. And that's a really good example of how mythology works. Is it's not a story that's not true. It's hyper true. Because it's a story that replays itself again and again and again and again. So you could retell the Tower of Babel story or Cain and Abel or any of these stories. Even Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek retells the story of Genesis. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a a coming of age story and Genesis is a coming of age story. Yeah. But this is the thing. There are things which are instricably linked to being human. That's what they're yeah. about. It's what it is to be human. And when we forget what it is to be human, we end up building Towers of Babel or killing our brothers or whatever. That's the thing. It's when we forget who we are, we mess up. Yeah. You know. So, hopefully, I've left pile, we've left piles of stuff like that out, really, haven't we? So, well, because you, know, you can't cover... Not everything, but we can cover the big themes. Seven can't we? chapters in ten minutes. Can't no, we? no, no. We we covered a lot. We tried to uh, nine chapters in ten. Nine minutes. chapters in. We're going even bigger. But I think the big theme with it really is it's a description of what it is to be human. That's what those chapters are about, and what God wants us to be, and how we we fail to do that yeah. in our lives day by day. That's that's what it's really about. Um, so next time we're going to be talking about a really good. Um, film isn't it next part not next time oh next part yeah it's uh, 12 angry men isn't it 12 angry men was brilliant you're listening to those vicar blokes you can follow us on various platforms and you can even go on substack and we will send you an email that tells you that the latest episode is ready to be listened to um so please do Join us um, and recommend us to your friends. Yeah, share it around. Yeah, get the word out there, if you think we're any good. (laughs) We haven't asked for comments on Substack, have we? No. That's the thing. No, it does let people comment, though, doesn't it? It does, but it's a good job it's not you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We had a listener request to watch a film. A 1957 film called 12 Angry Men. It was brilliant. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, I think I'd seen it a long, long time ago. All right, I haven't um, seen it at all before. But, yeah. I, but I didn't remember it well enough because I wasn't in a 
I wasn't watching it in the same way. Oh, right, yeah. And so when you watch things for the podcast, you watch them slightly yeah. different to, to what you might. Um, and the first thing that struck me is that we don't see any of the case at all. No. So you, you're watching what's going on in the jury room without having seen the case. All you see is the eyes of the defendant. As yeah. So you don't actually, I tell you what's interesting, is it was implied in the, well, just start from what it is. Basically, the film starts with them going into the jury room and what happens then? Because you just see the hands, don't you, of the of the defendant, don't you? And you can't even see what race he is, can you? You see what race he is as they leave the room. Do you? As they leave the courtroom before they go in the jury room. All right, so he is black then, is he? Well, he's he's Latino. Latino, is he? Ah, oh, okay, yeah, right, yeah. fine, so, yeah. So, right, so he's, yeah. He's, he's of a, a Latin American family. Um, and then uh, through the film, we get some background of of what sort of society he lives in. So um, he lives in the projects, you know, and, and um, I forget what term they use for it, but basically the the poorest neighbourhood um, where lots of the poorest families live and lots of those will be um, Latino families. And he he's accused of having killed his father. Yeah. And as the as it goes through all of the evidence that that has been used against him um, gets unpicked initially by one man because it's eleven votes for guilty, one vote for not guilty, three minutes in the jury room, job done, and two minutes of that one bloke was in the toilet. Yeah. So, so that was job done, and it, and and then he's and he says, but it's beyond all reasonable doubt. And they're like, so all right, prove to us that he's that he's um he's not guilty. And he says, well, I don't need to. It's your job to prove to me that he is guilty. And so, well, as they go through every single bit that was used in the trial, it turns out to be rubbish. And I love the bit where they ask for the knife, yeah. this unique knife that the guy who sold it has never seen before. And then he pulls one out of his pocket and stabs it in the table next to the other one and says, six dollars in the shop just down just round one block away from where he lived. Yeah. So what do you mean never seen one before? And then you've got a guy who lives in, in the neighborhood who says, What well, there's knives like that all the time. Yeah. You know, they're they're so so the evidence starts to unravel. And the bloke who's from the projects as well, the older guy, he turns around and says, oh, well, he couldn't have stabbed him from above because if you use a switchblade, you'll yeah. stab from below. And he knew because he'd, yeah. he'd been involved in knife fights yeah. and things, isn't it? You know, yeah. he knew that seen people do it. But so really we have one guy who's um, Jane Fonda's dad, isn't it? Henry Fonda. Yeah. Yeah. Jane Fonda. She was a woman in Barbarella, wasn't she? I don't know. Anyway, I'll have to ask my dad. I think he, he always goes on about Jane Fonda. I think he was. I think she was the Kardashian. I thought you were going to tell us you liked her as much then as you liked Holly Willoughby. It's a bit... Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. No, no I'm not into Jane Fonda. She was a kind of... I'm not quite sure. Anyway, Henry Fonda is the guy who stands up to the rest of the jury and says, are we really sure uh, that this person has done it? And I found it really interesting because it had echoes, really, of the Passion of Christ. Because all of the different things that were going on, because this guy, he was given, he was determined, really, Henry Fonda's character, to give this person a fair trial, yeah. a fair hearing. He didn't feel like he'd had a fair trial because the duty solicitor knows that these cases were always lost. Jurors don't 
bother to look at the evidence anyway, so what's the point in putting the effort in? Yeah. And so really he'd written the defendant off right from the start. Yeah, and they went through, and I think it was echoes of Jesus' trial because you have the same archetypes, the same type of people in it. So I was particularly struck by this guy who wanted to go and see a baseball game. He was in it, and he had tickets for the Knicks or something, didn't he? And it was a hot room because it was summer and he was uncomfortable, and he just couldn't be bothered to do justice, not because of any other reason, other than he just couldn't be bothered. He just didn't care. He was totally indifferent because he had the tickets for the baseball game and yeah. it was hot and he wanted to go home. And a pile of them were like that, weren't they? They just wanted to go home, didn't they? Uh, and yeah. that's like Pontius yeah, Pilate, yeah, yeah. didn't it? That's yeah. exactly like Pontius Pilate, who was basically like, yeah, yeah, just crucify him. I can't be bothered with you Jews and your stupid nonsense. Yeah. So I thought that was really you, yeah. interesting. Yeah, but of course you had the other people who just assumed he was guilty because of where he was from. Yeah. Uh, and actually, that was that was quite painful to to watch in lots of ways. They were the most painful, I think. I think so, yeah. But I think what I found really hopeful it was nineteen fifties film, wasn't it? Fifty seven, nineteen fifty seven, and there was this wonderful bit where this horrible bloke was kicking off about they're all the same and all of that, yeah. wasn't he? And everybody from the table stood up and turned their back on turned him, turned their back on him, yeah. And then he sat in the corner and cried, yeah. And then one guy said, prejudice is a terrible thing or something like yeah. that, he said. And I thought that, you know, we hear these narratives that, oh, everybody was racist, blah, blah, everything was racist before. But even in, you know, in 1957, you had a film which absolutely condemned that sort of yeah. racial prejudice yeah. uh, and class-based prejudice as well. Because I think it was as much class as, as racial, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think I think it was class and race. Um, but it was really clever in the way that it undid all of the arguments as well. Um, you know, you had the knife one, then you had the guy who supposedly got to the door in 15 seconds. Yeah. yeah. When he walked into the court, he dragged his leg along and he'd supposedly been in bed and was all sort of right. So his testimony can't be true. Then you've got the, the woman who wears glasses, not wearing her glasses, looking through a passing train, you know, all of it completely undone just on the basis of quite simple logical arguments as to why it couldn't be taken as fact when it wasn't fact. I think as well, the thing that that really brought it home as well was the fact that it was to do with the effort they wanted to take, that the effort that he didn't want to put in to assess the evidence. And that guy, Henry Fonda, he made them or encouraged them to actually reconsider things and to take the time and the effort to think it through wasn't it? And that's all he did, yeah. was just take the time and the yeah. effort to think it through. Which uh, is your thing with the news, isn't it? Yeah. Don't take the headline on face value and take it as fact. Actually look at what the facts are. Well, you could Actually you... delve in as deep as you can to work out whether or not these things can or can't be reality. Exactly, because Jesus is the victim of that sort of trial. Yeah. And that's at the core of our faith, is a person who is a victim of an unjust trial. Yeah, his was unjust in the sense that there was a corruption in place. I mean, his trial at the Sanhedrin was supported by the the priests and, and, and the elders encouraging people to make stuff up. Exactly. But Whereas also this as wasn't well, people making stuff up. No, no, up. no. But I do think... This was people being deceived by their own... Prejudices. Oh, yeah. and their own, their, and, own, and their, their own, own fallen nature, really, yeah. isn't it? 
So there was that wonderful guy bit when they went round and they said, oh, we'll have a vote now about who says guilty, who says not. And one guy says, oh, I'm not going to say, you just go past me. And I think there's that thing where it takes a lot of courage in Henry Fonda's character to actually stand yeah. against the majority and say, actually, no. And I think it takes that time and effort and energy to do that. And I think you're right, in today's society, what we have constantly with media, social media, it's inviting us to rush to judgment, to condemn people. You know, it's 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 just awful like that. So I know it's a brilliant film. Yeah, it was really very good. Yeah, so it's on it was on Prime, but I have a copy on DVD as well from ages ago. Right. Apparently. So um but it was on Prime, but I'm sure you can rent it and things. It's 12 Angry Men. Excellent film. Please give us some good um, suggestions for future future films. Yeah, because otherwise we've got to watch BBC stuff. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to think about uh, something for you to watch next week. Isn't it? So next time we're watching Only Murders in the Biz. Oh, sorry. Only Murders in the in the Building. Only yeah. Murders in the Building. Yeah, it's it's about making a true crime podcast about a murder that happens in their building. Right. Okay. In New York. Yeah. Sounds more up my street than your street. No, it's funny. It's a comedy thing. All yeah. the things I watch are funny, even when they're not meant to be. Well, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, okay. Only Murders in the Building on Disney. Disney Eye on the Disney. So that's good. So I uh, hope everyone has a, a good week, and we'll see you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.